the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. Last weekend uh, was my son's birthday and Tuesday was his wife's birthday, so on Monday we rang them up on Facebook Messenger and uh, sang happy birthday and I sang them the song that I have uh, been singing to family members ever since um, a young Canadian taught it to me nearly 20 years ago and it's a chirpy little birthday thing. It goes, happy birthday, death, destruction and decay, children dying every day, happy birthday and they appreciate it, I'm sure. I actually put it on Facebook for Mikey's birthday a couple of years ago and he laughed on Facebook. Set the tone for the week really, kind of fitted with the readings we've just had. Uh, this week I thought I'd prepare for Advent by reading Ellie Vessels, I don't know if that's how you say his name, Knight. Uh, he uh, was a Jewish author and this was his second book. The first was in Yiddish, so that this was, uh, and this was a kind of uh, rewriting of his first book in French and English, and now in 30 different languages. It's this harrowing, his harrowing story of living in the last year of Hitler's final solution at Auschwitz and then at Buchenwald concentration camps. When he received his Nobel Peace Prize, this book was described as his own personal experience of total humiliation and the utter contempt for humanity shown in Hitler's death camps. In Night, Bessel describes how, as he walked from the cattle trucks, the cattle cars that had taken them from the ghettos of Sigurd in Hungary, as he walked through the gates of Auschwitz, Towards the fires and the, chin, the crematorium chimney, as he was separated from his mother and sister who walked to their deaths, as he watched infants being tossed into the fires, and as he and his father walked to uncertain futures, unsure if they would even live for the next hour, he knew the death of God. Several months later, as he watched a young boy his age being hung and his death took half an hour because he wasn't heavy enough, somebody behind him asked, where is God? And inside him he answered, God is hanging on the gallows. God is dead. I read that book, I was reminded of why Advent is so important. For a start, it helps us understand books like Jeremiah and Ezekiel and uh, much of Isaiah, because those books are written in a time where God died, where for many of the Jewish people, everything that gave hope and meaning in their lives was in the process of being destroyed or taken away. The line of Davidic kings, the priests of the temple, Jerusalem, and then the destruction of the temple. The Babylonian gods had defeated Yahweh, and life as they knew it had come to an end. They did not suffer the same kind of horror that the Jews of Europe suffered. 
Yet I suspect the effect was much the same. Night descended for them. God died. And out of that comes the writings of Jeremiah and Ezekiel and 2nd and 3rd Isaiah. The piece we heard from Jeremiah today is actually a piece of Happy Jeremiah, which is more commonly or technically called the Book of Consolation. There's not a lot of it. Most of Jeremiah actually is written in the night. But this piece offers the promise, the hope, that a descendant of David would come to execute God's justice and righteousness. It is the firm hope that in the darkest of nights, God is faithful. Even when all seems to be ending, when all hope and meaning is gone, God is faithful. I want to hold on for that for a moment. One of the chilling parts of night is the beginning of the story, the story of life in the early 1940s in the town of Sigurd in Hungary, where Vessel grew up. And he had a happy childhood. Even with the rise of Hitler in Germany and the start of the Second World War, it had very little effect on them in Hungary. Hungary was not involved. The Germans had no say in what happened in Hungary. Except, well... In the early 1940s, all non-Hungarian Jews were deported on cattle cars provided by the Germans. When they were out of Hungary, the Jews were taken off the trains and into forests where they dug mass graves and were shot. One person survived from Sigurd, wounded. He was desperate to come back and to warn them about what had happened. When he arrived to his horror, no one would believe him. No one would believe that such a thing could happen. He came back to warn them so that they would act, so they would flee and go to safer places. There weren't many safer places by then. The West had mostly closed their borders. In the last week, there is, as all the events in America with uh, the migrant caravan arriving at the border of Mexico and America there was a picture reminding Americans of the Jewish refugee ship that arrived in New York Harbour and was turned away. Every single person on that ship later died in death camps. So close to life, returned to death. As the the Australian Foreign Minister said, we don't have a Jewish problem in our country, we don't want one, they're not welcome. We played our part. But there was still Israel. They could have fled. They could have got out of Hungary. They could have gone to safety. Instead, they mocked him. And they mocked his story. Even when the fascists took over, they refused to believe that anything would happen. Not in Sigurd. When they were forced to live in two ghettos, they thought maybe it was for the best. Even when they were deported on cattle trucks, they still would not believe that anything bad would happen. It was only when death stared them in the face that they would dare to believe that such things could happen in Europe in that day and age. And we are no different. I am no different. 
part because, well, we don't know what to do in response. All is not well, well, all is not well with our world, but what might we do? It's easier to carry on and pretend that all is well. Which brings us back to Jeremiah and Luke and Advent. The Gospel reading for this Sunday is Luke's version of what we heard two weeks ago, Mark 13. Two out of three readings. It's more death, destruction and decay, children dying every day. And to be honest, there's enough of that happening in the news without me having to read it in Luke's Gospel as well. Things like climate change reports, the caravans of asylum seekers met with armed troops and tear gas, the horrific events in Yemen and the catastrophic effects that's having on the people of Yemen and the West continuing to sell sell arms and making profits out of it. And here in this land, well, we're either amazingly apathetic to all that's happening or including the looming disaster of climate change, or there's an intense intolerance to those trying to escape those events, trying to escape the consequences of all that bad news. And I'm left wondering, what am I supposed to do with all of this, Luke? What am I supposed to do? And anyway, it's Christmas. We're supposed to be chirpy and happy There's big things to get ready for. Gatherings of friends and family and presents to organise, food to prepare and singing and caroling to be done. So why do we have this pretty unhappy, sad reading from Luke? Why does that start Advent? Well, I think it's there to remind us to not be like the Jews of Sigurd. That we are actually to pay attention to the signs going on around us. As the message puts it, it's time to be on our guard. To not let the sharp edge of our expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping. To remember that yes, Christmas is important, but... I think Luke would say, it's not the point. Christmas is not the point. We often think of Advent as a time of getting ready for for Christmas. But is it really? The point of Advent is to be reminded that God is faithful. Even in the darkest times, God is faithful. God is at work in our world, bringing in the reign of peace and joy and hope and love. We are to pay attention of what is happening in our world. But to know that even in the darkest of nights, God is faithful. We are reminded to hope for a world where God's justice and righteousness reigns. I wonder what that looks like for you. What does a world where God's righteousness and justice look like? That is the world we are to live. That's what Christmas is about. That's what Advent points us to. And those 
that vision is to shape our preparations for and our celebration of Christmas. Christmas is not the point. God's reign of peace and hope and love and joy, our four candles, that is the point. And how we live that, that is the point. So I want to invite us to then reflect on how God's reign of hope and peace and joy and love, how the promise that God is faithful, that God is faithful even in the darkest of nights, how that shapes our preparations and our celebrations, and how that might shape this Advent. There is darkness in our world. How does Advent and Christmas help us live God's light? That's the point of Advent.